Welcome to this time of worship from St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse. My name is Stuart and I get to be the minister here. We're so glad that you could join us from wherever you find yourselves today. To find out more about St Ninian's, visit our website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk and keep listening or watching at the end for some information about events that are coming up soon. If you want to join us in person, then we meet at 11am every Sunday. There's no need to book, so please just come along. Today I'm delighted to say that our preacher is Yvonne Hamilton. Our prayers are led by Avril Cutler and our reading from Mark chapter 10 verses 17 to 31 is read by Blake Hamilton. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good, except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honour your father and mother. Teacher, he declared. All these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at them and loved them. One thing you lack, he said. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Then Peter spoke up, We have left everything to follow you. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be the last and the last first. There's something that happens quite regularly in our house. Things can't be found. Whether it be Graham or one of the kids that are looking for something, the response is nearly always the same. It's not there. I've searched everywhere and I still haven't found it. I would just like to point out that nine times out of ten, it's exactly where I said it would be in the first place. Does it sound familiar? Thing is, millions of people are searching for something, often not really knowing what it is that they're even searching for. Some might never find what it is that they're searching for. Some might have to let go of or give something up in order to find what it is that they are searching for. In 1987, Paul David Hewson recorded a song about this universal search. What was the song? 
Well, here's a clue. Paul David Hewson is the real name of Bono, the lead singer of the Irish rock band U2. And he sang, I have run, I have crawled, I have scaled these city walls only to be with you, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. He even ends the song referring to Jesus. You broke the bonds and you loosed the chains, carried the cross of my shame, oh my shame. You know I believe it, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Our passage today introduces us to a young man looking for something too. He's often referred to as the rich young ruler. The book of Matthew tells us he was a young man. Luke describes him as a ruler. But Matthew, Mark and Luke all tell us that he was rich. The young man runs up and kneels before Jesus. The man asks what he must do to inherit eternal life. Now, as a rich man, he would have understood inheritances. The law spelt out inheritances. The firstborn son was to inherit two shares of the property and each of the other sons was to inherit one share. In other words, the firstborn son was to get twice as much as any of his brothers. If there were no sons, daughters were allowed to receive the inheritance. However, in most cases, a daughter would receive only a dowry, a bridal present from her father. So this rich young man surely knows those laws like the back of his hand. And now he wants to know the law regarding eternal life. What he must do to inherit eternal life. What are the requirements? What must he do? The truth is, we can't do anything to inherit eternal life. Salvation is God's doing, not ours. After all, an inheritance is something you receive as a gift, not something that you earn. An inheritance comes from someone else. It's beyond your control. Just as Jesus reframed the question about divorce in the passage that we read last week, he now reframes this question in terms of the kingdom of God rather than eternal life. In fact, Mark only uses that term eternal life twice in his entire gospel. And both instances are right here in the opening and closing verses of this passage. For Mark, the focus is on the kingdom of God breaking into our earthly existence. When the kingdom of God breaks in, everything changes. To answer the young man's question, Jesus starts to list the commandments, but he only names five commandments from the second table of the Ten Commandments, and one that isn't really part of the original ten, all having to do with the human relationships. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud. Well, that's not part of the Ten Commandments. I wonder, does Jesus substitute this for you shall not covet, which is the Tenth Commandment? I suppose if he did, it would make sense. Because 
A rich man is less likely to covet the possessions of others than he is to defraud people in the pursuit of further wealth. And lastly, Jesus says, honour your father and mother. The rich man responds, teacher, all these I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus doesn't challenge his answer because the man has most likely been meticulous and believes that he has kept the commandments. He's met the minimum standard. It's worth noting, however, that Jesus didn't mention the following commandments, so there's no way of knowing if the man obeyed them or not. Jesus didn't mention, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves an idol. You shall not take the name of Yahweh, your God, in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbour's. Like I said, Jesus might have intended do not defraud to substitute you shall not covet. The Ten Commandments can be split into two parts. The first part is to do with our relationship to God, whereas the second part is more to do with how we relate to one another. The Tenth Commandment, you shall not covet, seems to have to do with human relationships. However, to covet material possessions is to invest them with great importance, to let them fill our hearts, to allow them to fill the God's space in our lives. In a sense, a violation of the Tenth Commandment is also a violation of the First and Second Commandments, making a God of material possessions. So it seems that in verse 19, Jesus listed only commandments that this rich man would find easy. The man says that he kept them, and he may have. But commandments having to do with relationships to God represent a higher level of discipleship. One where this man seems to be deficient. He's completely missed the point that Jesus makes by naming only the commandments that have to do with how we treat each other. Now Jesus tells the man what he must do to bring himself into compliance with the first and second commandments. Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. Jesus looks at this young man whose priorities are all messed up, who thinks that he can somehow earn eternal life or buy his salvation with good works. And Jesus loves him. He's the only person in the entire Gospel of Mark singled out as being loved by Jesus. And yet, this one dearly, uniquely loved person just walks away, sad and disheartened. Why? Because of his many possessions. Not only does this man have wealth, wealth has him. Now the reason that he went away sad could be because he had decided not to give up his possessions and he knew that decision would cost him the kingdom. 
But it's also possible that he did exactly what Jesus told him to do and was understandably sorry to say goodbye to his wealth and to the relationships connected to it. The truth is, we don't know what happened next in his story. We do know that he realised the high cost of discipleship and he realised that meant giving up everything that was important to him. It meant giving up his identity, to take on the identity of Christ, to follow Christ and leave everything else behind. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This is the same look that Jesus gave to the young man when he loved him. It isn't a random gaze. This is Christ's penetrating stare into our hearts. The disciples are confused. This happens to them a lot, doesn't it? No wonder they're confused. Because they have given up everything to follow Jesus. Jesus says it again. He's still looking right at them. He's still looking right at us. Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. Contrary to popular belief in that time, the rich are not more blessed and the poor are not poor because of their sinfulness. In those days, people saw wealth as a sign of God's favour and poverty indicated a life of sin. To think that the rich can't enter the kingdom of God would have been unbelievable to everyone listening. We aren't much different in today's world. We follow rich celebrities on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and we look down on the poor among us. Sometimes even going so far as to wonder out loud why they don't get a better job or manage their money more efficiently. And yet, Jesus consistently goes to the poor and the lepers and the sick to offer abundant blessing and healing. He challenges the assumption of wealth as a sign of God's favour at every turn. Jesus teaches the exact opposite of what his disciples, disciples would have grown up believing. Graham and I are incredibly lucky to have good friends in our life. One couple are very wealthy. They've worked really hard at their careers and enjoy having several homes, their main one having a swimming pool, luxury holidays, cars, in fact, all of life's luxurious things. However, they're also two of the most generous and giving people we've ever known. Yes, sometimes their gifts might be classed as being a bit over the top, but they also give generously to their local food banks. They volunteer their help and their time to those who are homeless. They set up educational trusts for 32 of their nieces, nephews and godchildren. The list goes on and on. And it's often been asked why they do what they do. Their answer is simple. They can't take their money with them when they die. What they can do with it share it with friends and family and see the difference that it makes in their lives now while they can enjoy it together. 
And trusting yourself to God is a big step. But there's an even bigger step you have to take first. It's called repentance. Just like the wealthy young man who knelt at Jesus' feet, we might go away sorrowful when we're asked to dive this into this deeply relationship with others. This kind of commitment is scary. It requires full disclosure, full surrender. What would happen if we dared to imagine a world where everyone was a fully devoted follower of Jesus? It seems impossible, doesn't it? And it would be if we were to try to make it happen ourselves. It would be like a camel trying to go through the eye of a needle or a rich person selling everything and giving it to the poor. But not for God. For God, all things are possible. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields, along with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. I wonder, are you willing to put yourself last so another can be first in the kingdom of God? Are you willing to put the needs of your neighbour before your own? Because the kingdom of God is not a faraway thing. The kingdom of God is here and now. Amen.
Let us pray. God of transparent light and blinding darkness, God of absence and of presence, of simple clarity and tangled mystery, we are grateful that we can be open and honest with you in our prayers. No, more than that, we owe it to you to be as real as we can be about our hopes and our fears, our questions and our concerns. Only then, when all the pretending is done, will our petitions be heard and our hearts be open to accept your reply. So, let us be still and imagine what, if you were really here beside us, gracious God, we would most want to tell you and to ask. No censoring, no saying what we think you want to hear or what everyone expects. Just open, honest asking. Jesus said, Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will open. Our God, as we sit in this comfortable place, taking advantage of the freedom that we have to worship as we please, we pray for those who do not have anywhere to go, with the big questions that trouble them, or who cannot even put their thoughts into words for fear of where those words might take them. We pray for those who believed once and no longer do, for those whose faith has changed and grown and who do not feel safe to share where their travels have taken them for fear of being judged. And we pray for the church, which should be the one place where everyone can be sure of a welcome and food for the journey and which so often fails in its task. So confused by all the changes, so sad because of all that has been lost, so desperate to please, so hurt and angry because nothing we do is ever enough, so guilty because Christians are not meant to feel this way. And where is our faith? My God, Jesus said, why have you abandoned me? Thank you for Job and Jeremiah, for Ezekiel and Jacob and Jesus himself, for all who have wavered and doubted, questioned and dared to challenge not because their faith did not matter to them, but because it did. Help us to follow their example and to find, as they did, that you are big enough to cope. Help us to go on trusting, no matter what, and find out for ourselves that you are true. Amen. Go now. Walk humbly, be loving, be fair. Ask questions, make discoveries, be hopeful, love and care. Go now with God's blessing. Creator, source and spirit with each of us now and always. Thank you.
You can donate to the local food bank every Sunday from 1pm till 2.30pm at the front door of the church. And given the recent reduction of £20 a week in universal credit, your donations are needed more than ever. The Boys Brigade, the Anchor Boys, that's Primary 1 to Primary 3, start back on Wednesday the 20th of October at 6pm. Junior section and company section will hopefully start soon after. If you or anyone you know would like to volunteer to help, then please contact us. Girls Brigade are finalising their plans to return and details will be available soon. The Kirk Session will meet in person on the 25th of October at 7pm in the Church Hall. Face masks will be required. The Hope Cafe, supporting mental health and wellbeing, will restart on Thursday the 28th of October, initially from 10am to 1pm. Again, anyone who might want to volunteer, please get in touch. We're having a craft fair on Saturday the 6th of November from 10am till 2pm. Contact Bob Miller for stalls. Tickets will be available from next week or pay at the door. Entry including tea and cake is £3. Please, again, if... I'll do it for that one. Bags for donations of clothes are available at the church. These will be uplifted on Thursday the 28th of October. So if you could bring your bags to the service on Sunday the 24th of October or drop them off at the food bank between 1 and 2.30pm on the same day, that would be very helpful. Remember, all important information about what's happening at St Ninians over the next few weeks will be on the website at saint-ninians-stonehouse.org.uk or on our Facebook page. Just search for at St Ninians Church Stonehouse. All our services are still available online as a video and a podcast. Links are on the website and you can listen by telephone by calling 01698 7555 33.